I guess we're back on live streaming, so uh, do want you to um, thank the Lord that uh, it's back. I have to look at myself here for about 30 minutes. But anyway, um, won't you take your Bibles, and if you would stand, turn to Hebrews, the seventh chapter again. Hebrews, the seventh chapter, and we're going to read uh, <clears throat> verses 17 through 19. This, this is, we're, we're winding this down on uh, the high priest, and so uh, this is one of the scriptures that will tell us, you know, this scripture is going to tell us why he's a high priest. He says, for he testified, verse 17, for he testified, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For there is verily a disannulling of the commandments going before for the weakness and the unprofitableness thereof. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by the which we draw nigh unto God. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Pray you'll help us as we attempt to preach it, as we attempt to uh, bring the truth out in these scriptures. Lord, I pray that you'll take care of us. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. <clears throat> the title of my message tonight is Jesus Made an Everlasting Priest. Uh, it's going, I think it's going to be an interesting lesson tonight, so if you would listen, I would appreciate it. Now, last week we spoke of the making of a priest. This week we're going to, we're going to uh, speak about Christ being made a high priest forever. Now, verse, 5, verse 17 says, For he testifieth, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, who testifieth? He says, um, For he testifieth. Who testifieth? Uh, well, David tells, teaches us that in the book of Psalms. David plainly teaches who testified. He says, the Lord has sworn and will not repent. Now, that word repent, again, doesn't mean that God sinned and doesn't mean that God said anything that he needed to repent of. That word, uh, that word, that word repent just simply means he won't change his mind about anything that he did. In other words, regardless of how something turns out, he's not going to change his mind about anything he did. So, said, the Lord has sworn and will not repent, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, Psalms 110 and verse 4. So we, we know that, uh, that it was uh, Jehovah God who made him a high priest. And, and you'll notice as we go through this, these lessons here, that uh, man... Could not did not have the power to do, even though they were priests in the Old Testament, they didn't have the power to do anything. They didn't have the power to make one a high priest for everlasting. God does. God has the power, and God did it. For there is verily, he says, for there is verily a disannulling of the commandment given before 
for the weakness and the unprofitableness thereof. Now, um, disannulling means that it was done away with. Those, those old, as far as we're concerned, as New Testament saints, uh, all those Old Testament Mosaic laws were done away with. That's what he means by the disannulling because they did not have any power, any power at all. And we're going to see what we're talking about here. It was Christ who disannulled the commandment when he nailed them, when he nailed the Mosaic laws to the tree of Calvary. Now the great apostle teaches that Christ blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. In other words, Paul said in one place, Paul says over there that that once he learned the law, the law evidently killed, made him dead, killed him. Not, not in a sense of lively sense, but in the sense of, of, of being dead in sins and realizing that, that he was a dead creature as far as sin is concerned. And that's what the law was for. The law was our schoolmaster in which it, it, it told us, the law told us when we do things wrong and we're going to, Talk about that a little more in just a few minutes. He says, blotting out the handwriting, we said that, the only thing left from the Old Testament was the moral laws, such as the Ten Commandments and many others. Uh, these were the moral laws, see, which, which are still in effect today. Turn with me to Exodus, the 20th chapter, if you would, and I want to... I'm going to try to explain this to you, why these are still in effect today. Exodus, the 20th chapter, and uh, and he said here, let me mark, not here, over here. Exodus, the 20th chapter, he says, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, the first verse of Exodus 20, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above or that is in the earth beneath and that is, and that, and that is in the waters under the earth. That's still in effect. That's still in effect. It's, it's in effect. It is still wrong to worship idols, which we have a lot of religions today, a lot, a lot of organized religions today that uh, they worship idols. And uh, But that's still wrong. It's, it's, it's wrong to make any graven images. It, it's wrong to make anything uh, religious that, that we hold on to, you know, uh, uh, I see a lot of people, you know, uh, they, they hold on. They, they think that a lot of things they wear around their neck or something like that is going to take care of them, gonna, gonna, uh, is going to help them when they get in trouble and such and such as that. But that's, that's still wrong today, and that's still wrong. Thou shalt not bow down. Thyself to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord, thy God, am a jealous God, visiting iniquity of the fathers upon the children 
until the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Now that's, that's still in effect today. The Ten Commandments as we know them are still in effect today. He says, go down to the eighth verse. He's, well, the seventh verse says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in, in vain, for the Lord will not hold him, him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Boy, that's done a lot today. That's, that's done a lot today. A lot, a lot of Christians don't think there's anything wrong with, with uh, taking God's name in vain. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, there. some people say, well, I don't use, uh, I heard a man say one time several years ago, he said, I curse every now and then, but he says, I never say GD, or, or, or he says, I never, I never say anything like that to take God's name in vain, but uh, OMG, what does that do? That takes God's name in vain. Oh, oh, when they well, use it on Facebook, OMG, you know, that's taking God's name in vain. You know, people will, uh, people will get aggravated with something. They'll say, they'll use Jesus Christ as, as, the, as a key word that they use when, they, when, when something's not going right. And such and such is that. That's still wrong today. There's no, you, you can't, you can't say that, and I see somebody has put on Facebook a time or two, you know, they put on Facebook that what was sin back in those days still sin today. Well, that's, that's exactly what, what this is. What was sin back in those days is still sin to us. Uh, and, and of these Ten Commandments, he says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shall thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of, of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, nor, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy men servants, nor thy maid servants, nor thy cattle, nor the stranger that is within thy gates. Now, we don't, we don't keep the Sabbath day anymore. We, 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 we are in the Lord's Sabbath, which is there, there are different rules and different laws for the Lord's Sabbath than there was for the Sabbath day in the Old Testament. That was one of the reasons that the uh, Jews went into captivity was because of the fact that they desecrated the Sabbath day. And, and that was something the Lord said don't do. And they did it. Now, you know, a lot of people today try to take uh, the Sabbath day, which is Saturday, and they try to make it our Sunday, which we worship, but we're not. This this is called the Lord's Sabbath. This is the Lord's day, and this is the day the Lord hath made for us to worship, and, and such is that. You know, if if you if you went by this, then yeah, you couldn't do anything on Sunday. But that's not true. That's there. Uh, matter of fact, the Apostle Paul teaches very. Uh, clearly about that that uh, he that that he says that all things are are okay and I'll, I'll just use that terminology all things are okay as long as they're done uh, in a sense of which what the scriptures teach us and so the sabbath day the lord's sabbath we, we worship on the lord's sabbath you have you drive to church on the lord's sabbath you 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 uh, uh you you worship in and you stay, you go in church, and you, you eat on the Sabbath. You know, these, these folks weren't even allowed to eat on the Sabbath. They weren't allowed to do anything on the Sabbath day. That's Saturday. 
but we, 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 our first day of the week, that's the reason Paul said in the book of Corinthians, up on the first day of the week, bring your, bring your offerings into the storehouse. Up on the first day of the week, you know. But the, they, they didn't do anything in the Old Testament on the Sabbath. And when they began to desecrate, desecrate the Sabbath day, that's when the Lord sent them into captivity. And, and they, they were in captivity for 70 years for desecrating the Lord's Sabbath. That, that was, uh, that, that was uh, what it is. He said in, ver- in verse 12, says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the earth, which the Lord thy God giveth thee. That's still wrong. It's still wrong to, to not to honor your mother and your father. You children need to realize, you know, you, 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 you honor your mother and father. You always honor them. And, and I know there's some mothers and fathers may not deserve honor, but you still to honor them. As I've told, I've told everybody over the years, somebody will say, well, so-and-so's doing this, so-and-so's doing that. I said, well, listen, that's the only father you'll ever have. That's the only mother you'll ever have. And, and so you've got to pray for them, pray that they'll, that they'll do right and, and what they should do. But that's the only ones you'll ever have. You won't have any more. And, and honoring your father and mother is still uh, in, in on today. Thou shalt not kill. Now, that doesn't mean wartime. That doesn't mean that's talking about murder. Thou shalt not murder. Uh, and uh, but that's not talking about killing deer or killing rabbits or something like that uh, or having to kill uh, in combat. That's not talking about that. That's talking about murder, premeditated murder, murdering uh, uh, someone just just to be murdering. That. And there's a lot of that goes on. I'm telling you, I, I can't believe that there's so many people today that it's very easy for them to pull the trigger of a gun and kill somebody. I tell you, it's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to do, but it don't seem like it's very hard for people now. They just don't like something somebody says to them, don't like the way somebody looks at them or something like that. They just pull a gun and shoot them. Well, that's the type of killing he's referring to here in the Scriptures when he talks about that. Thou shalt not commit adultery. That's, that's still wrong today. Thou shalt not steal. That's still wrong today. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. In other words, uh, lie against your neighbor about uh, something to get them in trouble or something like that. You can't do that day. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Thou shalt uh, nor his man manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor any of their anything that is that is thy neighbor's. So that's still wrong today. And um, and so all when we consider the Ten Commandments. You know, it's still wrong today to break the Ten Commandments. Now, some say that David, one of David's greatest sin, when David, it wasn't because he had the affair with Bathsheba, but it was the fact that because what he did to have the affair, to make it available for him to have the affair, and, and what he did afterwards, some say that he broke every one of the Ten Commandments during that time. I, I don't know, you know. I've gone and and look, and, and it seems like he he did, you know. He had he had his uh, Uriah killed, uh, the the husband of, of Bathsheba. He had him killed, 
And so David, uh, David just broke every, every commandment. And, and, and David paid for that. And, but the, the main commandment David paid for, and you'll see it in the scriptures, is when he numbered the people. Why, why, did he, why did the Lord hold him so strenuous because he numbered the people? Well, because the Lord told him not to. The Lord said, don't do this. You know, commandments don't only come in the Ten Commandments. A lot of, there's a lot of do's and don'ts. Uh, somebody went through the scripture, and I can't remember the number anymore, but they, they said there's something like uh, 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 1,500 or 2,000, something like it, thou shalt not and thou shalt in the scriptures and whatever God says thou shalt not do don't do it when God says thou shalt do it uh, and you don't do it then that's sin too you know if God tells you to do something if God leads you to do something you don't do it that's sin you know and so so this is one of the things that we're, we're talking about here the great apostle says wherefore the law is holy and the commandments holy and just and good. Now here he asks the question here. He says, was then that which is good made death unto me? You know, that's what he's referring to there. He says, uh, he says, he learned, he, he learned as all we, all of us have learned that, you know, that the law is what led us to Christ. When, when we, when we, when we did, did things we shouldn't have done, then God opens our eyes and says, that's wrong. I don't know how many of you, if you were like me or not, when I was growing up, I didn't think anything was wrong. I, I really didn't. I really didn't think there was anything wrong with what I was doing. Um, my mom would, uh, would, would beat us with a tobacco stick, and I never did, never did agree with her that I'd done anything wrong. But uh, she still got me anyway. You know, I, there's... That's the, way, that's the way it is. You know, we, we, we never didn't know anything about wrong, what thing was wrong. It wasn't until uh, God saved me and I began to read the scriptures. And even before the Lord saved me, I realized that a lot of things, that comes under conviction. I realized that there's a lot of things I did that was wrong. Even before I was saved and I was convicted of it. And I, I, I never could figure out today why that came. Why, why did that come up? Why did that change come up on me? Because that just a few days before that, uh, I didn't think anything was wrong. But all of a sudden, I began to realize that it was wrong to do a lot of things, you know. And, and um, some people says, well, you can't be saved by the Ten Commandments and you, by keeping the Ten Commandments. And I want to tell you, that they can lead you to Christ. They can lead you to they can lead you to salvation. They can lead you to repentance. They can lead you to uh, 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 wanting to serve the Lord, and because that's what Paul's referring to here when he says he says he says uh, was then that which is good that's the law made death unto me. God forbid, but sin that that it might appear sin working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal, sold under sin. So regardless of 
we know when we do things wrong. Paul says, I'm carnal. I'm sold under sin. And he says, I need something to lead me and to guide me. We needed the law to guide us. We need the laws today. We need to, we need to look at the laws of what God would have us do and not do today. And we need to realize that and we need to see that as it comes. No law from the Old Testament could justify any, for it was weak because it was given by weak men who had no control over salvation. That's, that's in the Old Testament. This is the reason that we are not legalists, but live by faith and grace. All of us know the keeping of the Ten Commandments cannot save us. But there's a lot of people out there believe that. A lot of people out there believe that. I witnessed to some families up in Kentucky, and I, one lady argued with me up and down. She said, uh, I talked to them about salvation. And they said, well, we're saved. And, and I said, uh, you're saved? I said, are you saved by grace? Said, oh, no, we're, we keep the Ten Commandments. She, she said, I teach my children. She was an old Kentucky mountain lady. She said, I teach my children to keep the Ten Commandments. I said, you, you have a Bible? She said, no. But she said, I know what the Ten Commandments are because we keep the Ten Commandments, and she really believed that she was going to heaven because she kept the Ten Commandments and all of her children kept the Ten Commandments. She, she believed they were going to heaven because of that. There's people out there right today that believe that. They believe that if you break one of the uh, Ten Commandments that you're going to hell. But, you know, the thing about it is that if you break one of the Ten Commandments, what does God bring right to you? If you're saved, you know, it, let's, let's just say that you, you decide that you're going to uh, uh, commit adultery. What, what keeps you from doing it? What keeps you from doing it as a saved person? The law. The law says you don't do that. You don't commit adultery. And that's why those laws are still good today. You know, you don't do those things in that. Now, uh, the Ten Commandments cannot save us, uh, or we should know that. Just believing the gospel will not justify from the guilt of sin, but it is the power of the new birth which changes man's minds about himself. The power of the new birth. That's what. That's where repentance comes in at. That's where the new birth comes in at. The new birth leads to repentance. Paul says that in the in the uh, seventh chapter of of, of first of Second Corinthians. That it lead, it leads us it leads us to uh, uh, the new birth. You know, for the law in verse nineteen says, "For the law made nothing perfect." The law made nothing, nothing perfect. The law made no man perfect, made no priest who offered the sacrifices perfect, made no atonement perfect. You know, that. In, oh, further over in the book of Hebrews, he says they had to go in constantly. He says they would go in and, and on the atonement, day of atonement, but they had to go back constantly. Why? Because man's not saved by offering bulls and goats. Man, man's not saved like that. And so there's no law that can save us. The law could not, could not justify a sinner. The law could not offer righteousness, but bringing in of a better hope did. Now here is the key. 
This whole, this whole message right here, here's the key to it. Who was the better hope? Bringing in the better hope did. what he said. We read it. But bringing in the better hope did by the which we draw nigh unto God. Who was the better hope? It, it, it led to the making of an everlasting priest who was Christ. He was the better hope. He was the better hope. The, the saints uh, um, under the law look forward to a better hope. We who are under grace look back at a better hope. It was Apostle Peter who said, Blessed, said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus is the one that's the better hope. He's a better hope. You know, you don't have hope in the Ten Commandments. You don't have hope in the Old Testament laws. That's the reason we're not legalists. We don't have hope in the Old Testament laws as, as being able to save us. There's no Old Testament law that will save you. None whatsoever. There, there's no Old Testament law that will save you. All the Old Testament law does is tell, it teaches you, you know, when you're wrong. Especially the moral laws of the Old Testament. Teaches you when you're wrong. You, and you realize that you have to repent of those things. He says, who are kept, he says, uh, Christ from the dead to an, in, to a, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. That's the lively hope. That's the lively hope we have. The lively hope we have is it, it, it brings about uh, uh, security. The lively hope brings about uh, rejoicing. The lively hope brings about the fact that you know, when we say that we know we're going to heaven, we know the lively hope. The lively hope did bring about our security. All this because of the living hope of an everlasting priest. Jesus is an everlasting priest. We, we don't realize, I see, I see everybody, people on Facebook realizing, you know, you can never know that you're saved if Jesus wasn't the high priest. You would never be able to pray to God if Jesus wasn't the high priest. That's the reason Paul says in the book of, uh, of uh, Timothy, I believe it's first, second Timothy, Paul says he's a mediator between us and God. That's Jesus Christ. That's, that's, that's why he is, he, he is the, the lively hope. He's the one that we look to. He's the one, you know, a lot of people have a dead hope. But I want to tell you, folks, if you've been born again, and you know if you've been born again or not, I know people act like sometimes they don't know uh, whether they've been born again or not, but you know whether you've been born again or not. If you're not born again, you're not going to heaven. And, and, but you know when you've been born again, and the only reason you do know that you've been born again is because of that everlasting priest that God set up there. He, he is right now at the, at the right-hand throne of God making intercession for every one of us. We, we talk about, you know, we talk about, well, we're, we're sinners. And uh, 
And as Sister Kara says, we're the scum of the earth sometimes. Well, that's one thing for sure that we know that Jesus knows us. He knows who we are and what we are. He knows, he knows everything about us. He, and he's there at the right-hand throne of God. Telling, he's saying to God, God is a spirit. But Jesus at his right hand saying, I know him. He's one of my children or she's one of my children. I know them. I know that. I know that. Oh, I know they, that they do things wrong. But he says, that's, that's the advocate that we have with the Father is, is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he knows when we do something wrong and he takes it to the Father and he says, tells the Father, they're one of my children. If you ever wonder why over in the book of Hebrews, it teaches the 13th chapter says that, that the pastor is accountable for every one of those that he has. Every, all, all of the people that he has. Sure, it says that in the 13th chapter that he's accountable. In other words, where are our people tonight? You know, we have to go to God and say, Lord, I don't know why they didn't come. I don't know why they're not here. None of them called and said they couldn't be here for some reason or another. I don't know why they're not here. We, we, we have to stand accountable and read it. It's, a third, it's in the 13th chapter of the book of, Rome, of Hebrews. He teaches that very plainly, you know, that, uh, that he has to give an account for every, every one of you that he pastors. And every one of you that he is pastors uh, as, as, his, as his congregation in the Lord's church, he has to be accountable for those people. Well, Jesus is accountable for each and every one of us in heaven. And, and we, we're, we today, that's why Brother Sams talks about under-shepherd. That's why we're an under-shepherd. Because we do the work that Jesus did when he was here on the earth. As an under-shepherd, we, we speak on his behalf. And he speaks on our behalf in heaven. We speak on his behalf down here. And, uh, and he speaks on our behalf in heaven. And praise God, you know, what a shepherd. Praise God, what a priest that we have. We have a priest. And I, I saw today, I went by the Catholic Church, and I don't know what people think about this. But that thing, I think it's gone anyway, low battery. But anyway, um, it's, uh, we, we think about the priest, you know, and I, I, was, I went by the Catholic Church today, and their parking lot was full of people. You know what they were doing? Getting ashes. You know, now, you know they said they because of the COVID virus, they can't put the ashes here. They have to put them up here this year. That's just man's laws. That's what he's talking about when he's talking about man makes his own laws. You know, yesterday was uh, was the day that you could sin all you wanted to. You could commit all the sin you want to commit. Today is a day that you have to go called Ash Wednesday. Today is the day that you have to go and and repent of those. And you get when you go and repent of them, you get the ashes put on your forehead. So uh, what what Fat Tuesday, I believe is what they called yesterday. Fat Tuesday. Somebody told me this yesterday, they said, Well, it goes good for you. I said every day's a fat day for you. I said, Yeah, it is. 
But that was Fat Tuesday. You sin all you want to. Today you go and repent of it, and everything's okay after today. Everything's just fine. Well, praise God, we got a shepherd in heaven that's watching out after us. We don't have to go and get ashes put on our heads. Or, or I, I told somebody yesterday, or yeah, yesterday I said, uh, I said, what about old Job? I said, he rolled in ashes. You know, Job certainly didn't need ashes put on him because he rolled in them. And so that's a, that's something. This, this is Paul. All Paul is doing is taking them away from legalism and, and showing them what it means to be saved by grace. To me, what it means to be, uh, to be, uh, um, to be, uh, have the new birth, to be born again. That's all he's doing. That's all, and you, you'll find out the rest of this. The rest of this is about Jesus, the everlasting priest, and we'll be talking about that more next week. Let's all stand, if you would, and let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask the Lord.